Hello and thank you for downloading this most recent episode of Movie Guys Podcast. Before we start the show tonight, we wanted to give everybody a word of warning that each episode produced by Movie Guys Podcast is for a mature audience. You have been warned. Also, all of our reviews are spoiler-filled, so if you have not seen the film that we're going to talk about tonight... Turn off the show and come back when you're ready to listen. Thank you so much for downloading, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Movie Guys Podcast. And tonight, we are discussing it chapter two i'm jordan i'm joined here like always with ryan and ed how are you guys doing tonight good boys you know it's uh it's good to be back it's been a little while so i'm excited it has been a while here and we're excited to talk about it chapter two i have a lot to say about this movie i don't know if ryan and ed you do but this was like one of the movies of the year for me i was hyped the fuck up to see this movie were you guys either ryan were you like ecstatic at all well this is one of the uh, one of the most anticipated movies for me this year um just because i wanted to see how they were going to finish it honestly no uh i was not looking forward to it uh outside of you know just how good i felt about the first one in some ways as opposed to others uh but i was i was I was afraid that they were going to find ways to screw this movie up. So, no, I wasn't excited about it. You were not excited? I mean, were you not excited because of what you read in the book? Were you not excited because of what happened in the 1990 TV version? Like, just because... No, it was just, to me, it was more along the lines of the fact that they were going to split it up this way. I was afraid that they were going to do something a disservice. Um, Not necessarily do the book a disservice, but find ways to do what a lot of second runs do and a lot of sequels do, which is ruin what was great about the first one. I'm not saying they did that. What I'm saying is, is that was what I was afraid of. What about you, Ryan? What do you say on that one? I mean, it's very valid. It's very, the, the move, the first movie was a runaway unexpected success. So you could imagine that the next one is going to, you know, have an exponentially larger budget, but the studio is going to want more control over it. I, I, I think they didn't. I mean, they gave them a shit ton more money. It's very obvious they have so much more money now. For Seventy part- million. Seventy million. Sorry to interrupt you. And- yeah. Well, I read. I read it was anywhere between sixty-five and eighty million. Um, the first okay. one was only twenty million. Um, yeah. So it's a huge jump, comparatively. But uh, I mean, I feel like they gave um, Andy Machete free reign they did unfortunately i'm not showing my hand on that that doesn't mean that's my overall popcorn rating <laughs> but i feel that machete right machete i think it's machete yeah machete like, okay yeah machete i think he needed to be controlled a little bit like he was in part one i think when he got the reins to do what he wanted he kind of george lucas did in the in the prequels you know what i mean like I, I, I think he went too. I'm on, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like that is a. It. I don't know. I get a little kind of bothered when people try to compare things to the prequel trilogy, 
um, because at that point George Lucas was considered a a god. You know, he could do no wrong. Because the last like people forget about Howard the Duck and Radio Land Murders. <laughs> people forget about those because Star Wars is such a cultural touchstone for that generation. When it came to making the new movies, they just they thought they were gonna get that gold. And so I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna say I don't believe in any stretch that he George Lucas. I think that they gave um, a, a director who has a voice and has a vision more money than he's ever had to complete that vision. And we just got someone who had all this money all and, money and could do almost do anything, anything he wanted. And, and yeah. All right, fine. I mean, fair enough. I would disagree, but, but fair enough. Um, so the movie opens with the death of Adrian when we get a gay bash. That's what this is. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna plant the seed out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show the scene, and then we're gonna talk about it. And what I mean is that in part one we get the Georgie kill, great kill, right? Great opening. It gets you right into the movie, right? In this one we get the Adrian kill. I thought the setup was nice, and then after after the gay bash, and they throw him into the into the river. I, it, it, it took me out for a minute because I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's Pennywise over there. Hey, come here. I'm going to help you. You know, fucking with the guy, essentially. That's not his M.O. Adrian is not a kid. Right. And the whole point was when you're an adult, you don't see it. A la uh, Beverly's dad not seeing all the blood in the bathroom because his imagination or whatever, right? So why does Pennywise go after Adrian? Now, I know he does in the book, but let's just forget about the book for the rest of this review if we can. You know, it's out the window. We're reviewing the movie. Why does Pennywise do this? Anybody want to chime in on that? Ed, do you have a theory? No, I I have no idea. Other than the fact that maybe because he's he's woken up for the first time in 27 years that he needs to just feed on the first thing that he sees. And then and only then can he start to feed on the imagination of children after he has some level of sustenance to him. It, it, that's just a, an out there theory. I'm not, there's no, I have no proof of this, but just a thought. Brian, go ahead. So my opinion on it is that Pennywise is dairy. Uh, he is infected and permeated through every facet of dairy. He feeds on fear. Um, and it's easier to make children afraid of you than it is to make adults afraid of you. And so they see it and it comes out after the, at this moment, because these two gay guys, um, as you, as you put it, Jordan experienced a gay bash. That is a gay and, bash. That's what it was. It's a gay bash. Yeah. And they, uh, the one guy, I don't, I don't remember his name, the one that's not Adrian, he is fearful for his life and Adrian's life. And Pennywise is representative because the fear he experiences is the fear of the town because they mentioned something beforehand about, like, you know, getting out of this town, well, you know, they don't belong here and things like that. Um, so that's why they see Pennywise because the fear is so palpable in that moment for them about Derry 
that um, it's very easy for him to take them. Well, to take Adrian. Um, I'm not going to chime in the whole episode about this opening, uh, but there is a fan theory that I read, and I wanted to share it to you guys, and we can go on the rest of the movie, that that kid uh, that started the homophobic slurs against Adrian and his boyfriend is actually Pennywise. That's a fan theory. That's not proven. It's just, it's just Pennywise can morph into whatever it wants to, and it wanted to feed, kind of like Ed's theory, it picked on these guys because they were easy prey for whatever fucking reason, and that kid was Pennywise to provoke the instance that happened. Plausible. No? Okay. All right. Cheers. All right. So now we get into. It's been twenty-seven years later. The losers have all left Derry besides Mike, and every loser besides Mike doesn't know what's going on. Doesn't know their past. It's kind of blurry. Before I continue, wouldn't you guys kind of be a little fucked up like that a little bit? Like, think about it. Like, you're grown adults and you have a big blip of your childhood that you cannot remember at all. Wouldn't you kind of wonder what the fuck happened? I mean, if you never think about it, it's never a problem. Right? I mean, but but it's like, hey, there, there's a huge scar in the palm of my hand. Because if you noticed, you know, like when Mike called all of them and said, hey, we got to come back to Derry, that's when they all looked at their hand. So it's like, why? I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. Is it because Pennywise has such a uh, myth over Derry that once you leave, you forget? Well, I mean, I know you said you didn't want to, you didn't want to keep bringing up the book. Um, but that is one of as one of the explanations in that in order to try to keep them away from Derry, he has somehow in some way influenced all the ones that left. So they're all successful. They're all rich. They're not rich. They're all well to do, and they have you know they are very they are happy with their station in life to a certain degree. Um, you know there are things you can't escape like the violence. Uh, Bev experiences with men is cyclical, but you know, based on a relationship with her father and things like that. But he somehow, in some way, influenced their lives to such a degree that they would he would expect them to never want to come back, and that forgetting Derry was not an issue because they, you know, they outside of the club, the losers' club, the memories of Derry aren't that great. Okay, fine, fair enough. Ed, is there an actor that plays the kids that's now an adult now um, that you absolutely loved? And also, is there one that you just did not like at all? You, Which adult we, version? Just to, oh, so you're saying, like, do I like Bill Hader or James McAvoy? Or are you asking, yeah, like, yeah, do I, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, look, Jessica Chastain is, is a good actress. James McAvoy is great. Bill Hader is fantastic. Um, they're the three of them are great actors in their own rights. Um, I mean, I'd have to say that I probably liked James McAvoy the best as, as really, Bill. yeah. Um, just simply because he's he's so good and he plays he has that stutter down hat, you know. Um, I can't say that I necessarily liked how they chose to portray them grown up. But, you know, answering it within the frame of the question, 
uh, you know, of, of all of them. I mean, I think James McAvoy was the best. And the, the guy who played Mike, uh, I think I more felt like he was trying to play John Boyega playing Mike for whatever reason. Interesting. You see, I would have totally disagree and say that that, that Bill, John uh, James McAvoy, was one of the weaker of the characters, and I think Bill Hader knocked it out of the park. And I thought the guy who played Eddie was absolutely amazing. I didn't think Bill Hader had a very – not Bill Hader. I didn't think James McAvoy did a very good on the stuttering. And and also, if you want to go to the comparisons of it, he's like one of the adults that look farthest from the fucking kids, you know, of what he wow. was when he was a kid. And it's like, I just – eh. Don't like it, Ryan. Ryan, what about you? Which which one's your favorite? Which one's your least favorite? Well, see, and it gets to like when we get into like the deeper meteor stuff. I didn't. I don't think they give like Bill Hader's. I think in turn like acting. I think he does the best, but they don't really give them much to do. Like each person, each of the adults have like one thing you know that they're dealing with throughout the movie, and like it's outside of the flashbacks to when they're younger, when they're kids again, it's just like, there's not really much development. It's all just plot beat, plot beat, flashback, plot beat, flashback, plot beat all from beginning to end. Um, and it has a very strict three act structure. And like, I did not care much for Isaiah Mustafa who plays Mike Hanlon. Um, just, I don't know, and it's not completely his fault. It is a combination of you know him, his interpretation of the script, and the director's interpretation of the script, and how he's you know being directed to act. But I think it comes across, um, I guess, false to me feeling because uh, like I never pictured um, Mike being needy, like he's needy and desperate for the. That's what Ben is. That's what Ben is. I don't understand. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know what you mean. Are you talking about in the yeah. book or in the movie? In the movie, you're right. That's why. I'm, that's why I didn't interrupt you. But uh, uh, you said you didn't picture Mike to be needy, and I feel that was Ben because Ben in the first movie in chapter one was all about the history of dairy, and his room was cluttered with all the history of dairy. So it would make sense for them to retcon it and have Ben stay there and be the librarian and be obsessive and be needy like he currently is. In chapter one, right? This makes no sense for Mike. Well, I mean, it does. It, they, it, it, yes, to have strict continuity from continuity from chapter one to chapter two, it would make more sense to have Ben be the one stay behind. Um, but uh, you're only using the fact that in the first movie he was the one that looked into the history of Derry for the Losers Club. Um, excuse me, one second. Sorry. Um, you're only looking into that using that story aspect to carry it on to the second one. However, from if like if you want to look at the world they live in, um, Ben lives with a single mom and they moved there recently, so he doesn't have ties to Dairy and they have the ability to move whenever. Whereas Mike is stuck with the poor family on the outskirts of town, so it's like he. Of the of the entire group, logically, Mike would be the one to stay behind because he doesn't have the advantage. Like Bill's family is well to do. His dad works for the town. They have a really nice house. Um, like I said, Ben's family can move as they wish. Um, at the end of the first one, Bev moves away. She says like uh, she's going to stay with her cousin or some somewhere, someone somewhere in some other town. And so it, it makes logically. It would follow that Mike would be the one to stay, 
but if you want to have strict continuity, it would make more sense for Ben to stay. Okay. All right. Fine. Fair enough. I just, I just found it interesting uh, how they were, you know, like, but because it just, because the way that they did it, well, one of the things I don't like about the movie is that they didn't add anything too ridiculously new. You know what I'm saying, guys? I mean, like, I was, I was worried. I was like, are they going to do the fucking turtle, which is in the book, but I'm just like, what are they going to fucking do? And what we do get is, is one of the iconic scenes from the original movie, which I don't know why I'm saying iconic, but it's the, it's the Chinese restaurant scene. What, and what do you think of all those little creatures and those bugs coming out of the food? What do you think about that? It was extremely creepy. Um, much like most of the scares in this movie, there was incredibly creepy and cerebral. And, you know, one of everybody's sort of pet peeves when it comes to a Chinese restaurant is how is the potential levels of grossness and bugs. So it just added to my, no, you've never, listen, you've, you've never been to like a, a little Chinese restaurant in a little town that like, you know, isn't as clean as it should be. Um, like that's, that's half the Chinese restaurants here in town. Yeah, but this but this Chinese restaurant looks like legit though, bro. Yeah, it looks, it and, looks... and and while that's true, it's still like a maybe it's just a personal thing that like I've had some bugs in food like at places, and sure. I don't do buffets at all. So when you go to a Chinese restaurant, to me, like that's like the ultimate level of grossness. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it's just a personal thing. Not that there's anything. I'm not talking about Chinese people. That has nothing to do with it. I'm saying like. The, Buffet restaurants, cheap food, people like picking okay. boogers, picking picking boogers, and they have bugs on their skin, and they walk into this restaurant and then they touch the tongs. Okay, <laughs> uh, maybe Ryan, it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Ryan, what do you think of the scene? I mean, I I thought it was serviceable. I like I like the designs of the of the the monsters. I, I like the joke. Uh, at the end when Mike is slamming his chair on top of everything saying this isn't real this isn't real this isn't real and the lady just comes in is everything okay yeah no uh, I mean yeah it's good but I mean overall it's like uh, a lot of like, a lot of the things I liked the that scene when they're remembering things I like I felt in that moment there is a unity and there is a bond between all these characters I felt I that yeah, in the Chinese restaurant where they're like sharing memories and stuff, and they're picking at each other and things. It's like they were they were acting like old friends, like they were acting like how me and my friends act when we haven't seen each other for months and months, you know, when we finally get together. Right. Um, but again, and, and again, when they separate, and it'd be like the second act where they're all on their own, they're finding their totems. The movie slows way down, uh, and I think the movie's only great to a certain extent in that really in that scene, some of the flashbacks um, and I will get to the ending too, but I feel like, I mean, there's issues with the ending as well. Like the third act. There's a lot of issues with the ending. Um, well, so you know, I just want to add real quick, just to the ending part. They, they tell you several times in this movie that they don't know how to end it by making fun of, of Bill and him being a writer. They're like the best book he ever did he didn't know how to end it. Everybody loved everything. They just didn't know how to end it. Like they're telling you, we don't know how to end this movie. You're probably not going to like it. Actually, I'm going to be that asshole. Ed, you know why that's in the movie? Well, I'm sure it's in the book, but I feel no. like they, po- they no. pointed to it several times. 
that's what Stephen King is known for in reality. Stephen King is known for not having great endings. So people have said, and Stephen King has hinted in interviews that in the book, Bill is based off of him. Oh, really? So, and then if you go to Twitter, Stephen King even made a joke about how about how um, about how his books have terrible endings. That's why they did that. It was a it was a fun little wink wink nod nod to Stephen King. Hmm. That's why they did it that way. Because have you ever if you ever got a chance to read the ending of the book, it it is god awful, like a lot of his books. And that's kind of, and that's just kind of the joke. You mean like the Langoliers where they get in the in the plane and turn around time? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's just kind of the joke. Um, okay, so we get a task. I can't believe they're gonna do this. So my wife are in the movie theater and Mike says, Hey, uh Bill, drink some of this. And Bill's like, Okay. And I'm looking at Gene and I'm like, Oh, Mike drugged him. She's like, Why would he do that? He's his friend. And then we get the ritual of Chud which I know I'm contradicting myself when I'm saying from the book and blah, blah, blah. Ryan, were you like, are you really doing the ritual shut in this? I was absolutely shocked. I was waiting for a turtle. This is a fucked up thing in the book. We find out everything about Pennywise in the book from the ritual Chud. Why, why are we doing it in this movie? Why does that have to be in this movie? Ryan, I'm, I'm asking you, why is that? Because why I don't does, think you're right. Why does the ritual of Chud have to be in the movie? Why does that have to be in the fucking... I mean, why did they have to do this? I'm not exactly sure why they felt the need to put it in the, in the second one if they weren't going to include it in the first one. The only reason I can think of it is because it's in the book. And it gives them... At least when I when I first... When that first came up in the movie, I thought they were going to actually do the ritual that's in the book. And I was kind of excited, and I was waiting for it. Because in the book, it is basically if I'm accurately remembering it, it's a battle of wills, essentially. Young Bill did it way back when, um, and he narrowly won. So that, But he didn't kill or defeat um, Pennywise. He just won the test of wills. Where, so in the second movie, he has to do it again, and that's where you like stare into the deadlights. It's kind of basically how... Um, Richie, when he when he, at the end when he's uh, about to throw the rock and then he just like kind of goes limp while still standing there, his eyes roll back in his head. Um, and like it's a, a it's like a mental battle. And then when he's younger, he sees the tur- uh, uh, Bill sees the turtle during the ritual and all this stuff. And I was like, I was kind of excited for what the visual representation of that was going to be because I you know I have a thing I have a visual in my head, obviously. Um, the director is going to have a wildly different vision in his head. And then they ultimately don't do that. They just like turn into this uh, Indian thing because Native Americans are magic and all that nonsense. Um, I was very let down because it was one of the things I was looking forward to throughout the, re- the rest of the whole movie. And like I said, issues with the third act, I was incredibly let down. I agree. Um I actually totally agree. So we get Pennywise and a couple kills here. Who Pennywise not in this movie that much. Um, definitely in love with him like I was with Bill Skarsgård playing him in the last movie. It's a different Pennywise here, though. I mean, this Pennywise is out for revenge because in part one, you know, you can tell that he's comfortable in his own skin, if you will. He likes to play with his food, you know, more. 
uh, now he seems like a Pennywise that is out for revenge, a broken, battered Pennywise. Uh, after the Adrian kill, his uh, his uh, next kill is a little girl underneath the bleachers. What a creepy-ass kill. Ed, what do you think of that kill? Can you repeat that, I'm sorry? The little girl out. underneath the bleachers? Yeah, I mean, it was it was the first... It was the first creepy kill for me in in the movie. And I have a hard time, like I've said, watching kids get, and I said this about the first movie, have a hard time watching kids get hurt on any level. So I I have a dislike for it for that simple reason. But that doesn't mean it's not a good kill in in relation to the story. I just, I would, I just really wish that they were, they would have explained or found some of these other things because there's a lot in this movie that doesn't get explained, including why he kills who he kills, why children specifically, and yeah, we talked about it. I just, I have a hard, I just, I just have a hard time with it. So like, legitimately, so bad. Well, that's what they said in the first movie. Is that the reason why he goes after kids is because he said it himself. Is that because because they stink of fear, and the fear is like is like veal compared to a steak, you know, it's just, it's just something that tastes better to him because he can kill anything he wants, but he prefers the fear and the taste of children with it. I actually felt really really scared for that little girl. I was hoping that little girl wasn't going to get it. You know, she had a birthmark on her face and Pennywise is like, I'm going to, I'm just going to go poof and it's going to come off your face. And I mean, my God, I mean, like, brutal kill ryan ryan do you have any thoughts on that kill because i felt bad for a little girl i was like ah shit well see i i liked how um how it was visually set up with the like she's walking under the bleachers and how she's positioned versus how pennywise positioned there's a nice uh distance between her and then the people that you know are there that you can see at the end of the bleachers so like she's surrounded in our minds we know that people are there. However, how it is presented to us, it, when you, you buy into it, you believe that she, even though she should be safe, she is in a crowded facility. Her, people are all around her. Uh, it's very easy to get taken. Ryan, is it the uh, chapter one of chapter two, a subplot for um, children's sexual abuse i mean you could you could argue that i mean the first one obviously is is a coming of age story like it's presented as a coming a teen coming of age where you you know experience first loss first love all this and all that stuff that all that goes with the coming of age stories um but it you you can you can say that it you i mean there is evidence for it but i'm not gonna not gonna go ahead and agree with it because i think that's reading too much into it Okay, I think it's, I think, I think it is just about facing, you know, growing up and facing your fears. Okay. Okay. I will go with you on that one. I was just curious what you thought, because I kind of felt that a little bit watching this movie. Uh, let's just move along here real quick to, uh, to the old lady scare. The first teaser that was released for chapter two, when Beverly decides to go to her old apartment with her dad, and there's an old lady there. I, this is the scene of the movie for me. I don't know if you guys are on the same page with me or not, but this brought me back to Pennywise in chapter one. Pennywise is 
you know, disguise himself as an old lady. Every time her back is turned in the background, there's the old lady just staring, walking creepily behind the background. Fucking intense scene. Do you guys do you guys share my opinion on that? That was an intense fucking scene. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like you can see it coming. You like they don't hide the fact that they're going to give you a, a nice scare. Um, the giant old lady with her old flopping boobs, like just all over the place. That was I fucking mean, scary. That was terrifying. It was, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was the one thing where there was a jump for me in this entire movie. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It was, it was, it was a great, it was a great scene in the movie. Ryan, what about you, man? Um, I mean, I like the scene. I think they kind of undermine some things. Uh, with their characterization of it, he because um, he's a clown. He he's he's mocking the adults. I get that, but when he does, when they have the old lady do like a little little dance as she's running away or as she's scurrying across the door frame, it kind of undermines the tension a little bit. But really, I think it makes yeah. it worse. See, and like, and Elise, uh, my wife, when we talked about it, because uh, we watched the movie together, she thought that, that added to the creepiness. I felt that it kind of detracted. However, I still like the scene because they still do build up the tension. It's classic tension building um, throughout that entire scene. And the act, the shot when uh, Pennywise as the, the lady, the old lady with the big floppy boobs, as Ed eloquently put it, um, comes rushing out of the darkness. That is, that's a good, that again, it's a good visual. This movie's filled with great visuals, great visuals. And the bit where, um, when she's at the door and she turns around and Pennywise is, um, as the, the human version and he's putting on the makeup and telling her, you know, she's going to regret it. She better run all this stuff. And then he cuts like claws, the smile onto his face. Uh, I thought that was perfection. Yeah. She like, I've, okay. So I'm confused. Is this Pennywise fucking with us? Or that picture that Beverly sees, is that legitimately some guy that Pennywise just took a form of? I mean, like, and did we see him as a human form? So are they implying that this guy actually exists and Pennywise has just taken his form? Or was those just dare to fuck with Beverly? Anybody? Good question. That's a good question. I have no idea. I think it's just there to fuck with him. It's just there to fuck with him. Okay. Just there to fuck because he's playing on um, father issues, like because the lady talks about her father and and all this stuff. How he's a hard man and things like that. So he's just he's just fucking with Beverly at that point. Okay, all right. Great scene. Really fucking enjoyed the scene a lot. I, I was I was impressed and I was in it, uh, hook, line, and sinker. Just absolutely into it. So the next thing I want to talk about is Henry Bowers. So. The 1990 TV miniseries, well, two-night special movie, uh, Henry Bowers was absolutely terrifying to me, as, you know, as he, as he should be. So then in part two, well, night two of the original 1990 movie, uh, he was not existent, just not cool. I don't care about him. So I was hoping that they would do something more with Henry Bowers in this movie and we pretty much got the same thing. I was disappointed. Ryan, were you disappointed? Ed, you guys disappointed at all with Henry Bowers in this movie at all? No, absolutely not. 
I really liked. Uh, I like like the guy. He laughs the entire time, but he's got a great maniacal laugh. Like his like I, I don't believe the guy's insane. It's very obvious he's acting, but it, I don't know. It was it was fun uh, watching watching the guy play Henry Bowers, especially like I mean there are parts. One of the things I don't like about Eddie is how he always has the character Eddie always has a seems to have a comment when a situation doesn't need to have a comment. Um, like, but I think it's funny because he still Henry Bowers still has a mullet thirty years later. Like they <laughs> let him keep the mullet, and that was a funny joke. Um, mullets are coming back, so mullets are not coming back. They they, they tried it. They tried it when we were kids. There was a TV show on UPN called The Mullets, and it lasted four episodes. <laughs> right? It's not uh, gonna happen. Evidently, you don't have TikTok, sir. And there's a whole mullet trend. We're not getting into this. Ed, how about you? Did you like Henry Bowers? Um, just on that point. If, if you guys think that mullets aren't coming back, then you have not seen Wisconsin high school hockey because exactly. that's the number one thing that they do or Minnesota, excuse me, is they exactly. have, they have a mullet off in, <laughs> in for that. Um, no, I mean, just I, the thing is, is like, he just, it, yeah, it seemed like the character itself was a good character. It's just, it just is dumb here. Like it doesn't like, I get that he was, he's been insane for 27 years. I get that he sees the the balloon and like he self validates, but like at the same time for me, I just, it was, I just didn't care. I just, I, I did not care one bit about that character or that, or, or that moment there. Now, if I were now, okay, guys, go with me on this. I I, I want to hear your honest opinion since I made it clear that I did not like the Adrian kill in the beginning because it was different and it was because it was not Pennywise's mo. I think this should have been the opening of the movie, and what I mean by that is that the opening of it chapter one was hardly any credits, just little credits here and there. But when the kill happened with Georgie, the camera pans around completely in a circle and it says it coming out of a sewer, right? Really cool, gets me into mm-hmm. it, right? Kind of thing. Nice visual, if you will. Uh, in this movie, this is your opening. Little, uh, well, teenage Henry Bowers getting flushed out of the sewer with all those bodies, and then him waking up, breathing again, walking to his dad's house, getting arrested. That's the opening of this movie. I know Ryan's gonna completely say I'm crazy. So Ryan, tell me I'm crazy. No, I think that'd be I think that'd be a fun thing. Like if they if they had I think the issue they had uh, that I have with it is that the transition um, from the current opening, uh, the present day opening with Adrian Mellon getting uh, killed and the gay bash to um you see like the balloons which again another great visual the balloons coming out from underneath the bridge and then it cuts to darkness and you get like that sh- jittery shaking it screen title and then you get the f- the very first flashback and i feel like that transition is jarring i feel like if they would have opened with with that flashback and then and then you know um went into the adrian mellon thing i think it would have flowed the flowed floon flown i think it would have moved better moved better better. i I mean right i mean because because mike totally 
fucked Henry up, right? There's no way anybody would survive that fucking fall. It wasn't like Henry just fell straight down. Motherfucker hit the sides of the well. Motherfucker broke bones. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, wow, that was brutal. Like, I even said that to Gina when we first saw the first movie two years ago. And if anybody wants to listen to those archives, just it's on Twitter now, but go to movieguestpodcast.com and check that out. But uh, Henry was dead. I know he comes back because the book, blah, 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 but Henry was dead. There's no way anybody could survive that fall. So it would have been better, in my opinion, if you had the opening title screen of Warner Brothers' new line, boom, Henry getting flushed out and spending a little bit more time with Henry getting interrogated, let's just say. Let's say maybe they arrest him and then we get then we cut to a scene of him in an interrogation room and saying, why would you kill all these people? Because they said that they pinned all the murders that summer on Henry in the movie. So it's like, play on that more. And I don't think that Henry, who was such a such a douchebag character last time, he didn't get his due in this movie. I didn't feel. But who did get his due was his friend with the fucking aerosol can and the lighter. That guy was creepy. Great fucking makeup, right, Ed? Great fucking makeup. That was funny. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I agree with that. 100%. Scared, me to, scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was Good. fucking great. So I'm going to jump ahead. Tell me, and I know we're talking about a movie with a killer space alien clown and turtles and all this kind of shit, but what is what is the blurred line between reality and 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 and, and not? Because Henry kills or he Henry kills his roommate, he escapes, and the chain fence is already cut. And his friend, who has been dead for 27 years, corpse a la uh, American Warhoff in uh, London style, is driving the car. So is his corpse friend, Ryan, actually driving the car? Or is it Henry hallucinating? What the fuck is going on with that? Because he drives him throughout the whole rest of the film. Uh, I mean, I would say that it is is actually... um... Pennywise driving, it could be that he has reanimated the actual corpse of Patrick Hockstetter, but it, I don't think it is Henry Bowers driving the car. I think that it is another force entirely. So you got that really, really fucked up, far beyond belief, uh, supernatural element coming into play here with that. It's also Henry's car, not Henry's car, it's also, is it Belch Huggins, is that who, I think that's who's driving the car in the first movie. It's also the same car from the first movie, which, uh, a nice bit of continuity. Um, when we're being introduced to the losers as adults, I thought it was great that they had the um, same lady who played Eddie's mom in the first movie plays Myra, Eddie's wife, in that short little bit she's in. That is her! I knew yeah. that fucking bitch was her! Because, like, in the book, it's a big deal. Like, it's a big part of Eddie's character that he married... Um, a woman who reminds him exactly who is exactly the same person as his mom. That is her. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. Um, okay, so the losers rejoice. They have to go do their separate little things. Uh, one of the things I have a problem with in this movie is the clubhouse. They said that they found the clubhouse, or or or, or Ben introduced him to the clubhouse that was underground that he was building after the Rock War in the first. 
for Clubhouse, which I felt meant a lot to the Losers Club. Do you think that that actually should have been in the first movie? Because what what a missed opportunity here, right, guys? I mean, I, I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but it just feels like this Clubhouse should have been in in, in Chapter One. Oh, it definitely should have. Yeah. But the importance, uh, again, going back to the book, the importance of the the clubhouse is when they first do, they do, um, so I do believe it's Mike who discovers or reads about in the book um, this ritual. It's not the ritual of Chud, um, but this this sort of inhalation thing, kind of what they do in the movie where it allows them to see the past. And it's a Native American thing. And so, you know, like I said, uh, Indians are magic. And so in the book, they all go down there. They set this fire and they start inhaling it and stuff. And they all start hallucinating. But it's only Mike and Ben, not Mike and Ben. It's only Mike and Bill that stay in the, uh, the, the underground fort that see the past. So, like, they see Pennywise arriving. They see the crater creates. They see the war- the Earth reforming around it, dairy going up. They see all these things happening. Um, and I think, I think that's when they first encounter the turtle um, when they're hallucinating. You're um, not so- turtling for the turtle club? Huh? You've never seen that movie? Are what you talking movie? about Master of Disguise? Yes! Yes! Pistachio Disguisey? Yeah. <laughs> Dan Carvey's masterpiece. Oh gosh, fantastic! Great <laughs> movie. Do you I want to talk about? You want to talk about, about one of the greatest Dana Carvey's of movies? Am I like that line? Am I, you know, he's a turtle. Like, am I not turtle enough for the Turtle Club? I'm like, yeah, I think you missed the point. <laughs> but it's a great scene. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> um, fun scene. Okay, so then we get. Uh, who's next? Uh, we. I wasn't done with my thing. I was still. I still had a All thing right, going. Right, you did. I, I ruined it. I interrupted. You had a fucking thing. You had a thing. I was like, I was, I was explaining. I was answering your question. You just want to move on because it's long winded. I understand, but I have a lot to say on the topic. All right, so hear me out. <laughs> this bit uh, in the book it serves purpose to so they can go back and they they can hallucinate and see Pennywise's arrival and it helps them in defeating him. Yes, I agree. It would make more sense to have this in the first movie if it's so important. Um, but um, uh, one of the main issues, one of the larger issues I had with the movies, the flashbacks, I have a hard time placing them in the, in the timeline of the movie because they're all supposed to take place roughly around that in that same summer before and after Pennywise, but. Uh, it's the things that happen in the flashbacks you think they would talk about in the first movie, but they don't. And that's another issue I had with the film. I think they do, though, because there was something confusing to me in the first movie. Now, um, the first movie was on sale last week on Amazon Prime. I bought the first movie for nine ninety nine, and I watched it twice. And then I went to the theater uh, the next day to see this movie. And um, when they're all outside of the house... Before they go to attack it the first time in the first movie, all the kids have said that they have seen a clown. But we never saw all the kids experiencing the clown. So that's what we get in this movie. We get uh, we get Eddie going downstairs and we see his mom all chained up with the leper. That was fucking crazy. That was a creepy ass scene. Oh yeah, it was. 
and like he barfed in his mouth. Ugh. And then he strangles him and great. I mean, what do you guys think of the old guy, you know, who was the creepy guy who called Beverly Lois Lane in the first movie? Now he's this creepy guy who likes to play things with his mouth. Like, what a fun actor he is. He, he reminds me of a great uh, 80s uh, Freddy Krueger kind of movie kind of guy. Just that creepy guy for no reason. And, of course, you know, Beverly's bully is there kind of running the show with her dad. Uh, Ryan, I know that you really like that leper scene. Oh, I love the leper. I thought that was, like, because uh, I think we talked about this before. I thought that that's, like, the best design, like, creature design in the entire movie. Um, the Better than the old woman, huh? Yeah, well, see, the old woman's, I don't know, it's, it's that uncanny, uncanny valley thing. There's still sort of a shimmer and a plastic uh, feel to that because it's completely CGI, whereas the leper thing is prosthetics, I, I do believe, in combination with CGI, um, and it looks uh, a lot better. It's it's um, I'll, uh, That's my favorite design, like character design in the movie. I really like the design of it uh, as the spider at the end. Um, but yeah, I really like the leper, and I, I like so. So another thing that I, another issue that I had with the movie is its length. I think there are things that run on too long. I think that flashback um, kind of goes on a little too long. Um, there's things that could be shortened and cut. But I did like I like the setup. It is a super creepy setup to that scene and yeah. and its execution. And I love the the bit where the leper vomits on him because it feels like it's never going to end. Oh yeah, because because it did it before and it. Great scene. Uh, Ed, we get a Stephen King cameo as the guy who sells silver to Bill. I was I was smiling ear to ear in the theater when Stephen King was in this movie. The first time ever Stephen King cameoed in his own book movie. Ed, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, did you say it was the first time? It was the only, I don't I, I don't remember ever seeing him in another one of his movies before. No, no. I mean, like he was in movies that he co-wrote and stuff like Creepshow. But actually, from what I could read online, Ryan, I don't know if you correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I can tell in the research I've done, this is the first time Stephen King's actually cameoed in one of his novels into a movie form. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I liked it. I, I didn't think he did like a shit job. I thought, you know, I, you know, like you said, if how do I how else do I word it? Otherwise, you know, you know like as soon as you see it, you, you catch it right away. But it was good. Yeah. It was good. Ryan, what about you? Do you think it was throwaway? Or do you think it was fun? Um, I think it's fun because it's especially the setup because it's Bill. Um, and Bill's supposed to be the conduit for Stephen King into the story where Bill is a facsimile of Stephen King. So that's nice. I like the the running joke or the I like the line he keeps saying is, well, you're the big time rider. You can afford it. Yeah, 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 yeah. $300. Don't want to go down that route. Chinese mm-hmm. neighbors built that route. Um, God, I'm like so much happens in this in this movie. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember everything, but the Loser Club. Okay, I want to talk about one more thing. We'll talk about, uh, before we talk about the big stuff at the end here. Uh, another. Okay, so there were two times in this movie that I laughed, which I didn't think I would laugh like this. I I I laughed in the first movie with uh, with Eddie and Richie and their jokes. This movie, I laughed at the Stephen King thing because I thought it was fun. It took me out of the movie, and I just enjoyed it. The second thing was when Henry Bauer stabs Eddie in the face, yeah. and Eddie takes it like a champ. Uh, I don't know why that scene took me out of the movie, 
And I kind of s- sat up in my seat and was like, oh, I'm along for the ride now. This is fun. I don't know why I found that so much fun. Ryan, did you find fun with that scene where you get stabbed in the face? Well, see, I, one of the issues I have with Eddie's character is like, I, I thought it was pretty cool that he like he kill like he stabs um, Henry through the, the shower curtain as a yeah. jump scare, which I'm not a fan of jump scares, but I thought it was pretty well done for what it was. But as he's like edging around Henry and sneaking out of the room, he you know he tells him to cut his hair. Uh, why do you still have a fucking mullet? Like those little things kind of bother me. But I thought it was a nice little. Um, a little piece because when he goes and visits the pharmacist, um, the guy like I'm pretty sure the pharmacist is jerking off behind the counter, and then he, he like sniffs his finger, and then he walks up to um, Eddie and starts like pinching his mole, and he says, and Eddie's like, "It's a mole, it's not coming out," and like that the mole is exactly where he gets stabbed by Henry. Oh, interesting. Okay, interesting. I didn't catch that. That's good, Ed. Did you find that scene fun at all? I thought it was fun. Yeah, I like uh, it, it, it dragged on a little too long. But yeah, I mean, he stabs him square in the mouth. And then he takes the uh, the, the knife out. And, and, you know, it's one of those things. They talk about it a little later at the end of the movie when, like, you're, he, he's supposed to be a coward. But how he actually was the guy who stabbed him first. Like, how he's not, how he's not a coward. So, yeah, I mean, right. I, I liked it. Okay, so then we get something I was confused with. So the trailers come out for this movie, and we see the first big trailer with the old lady, and then the actual trailer comes out a few months prior. Uh, I'm sorry, a few months afterwards. And, and we see uh, Bill, James McAvoy, running in a hall of mirrors after a kid. And I was like, oh, in the book, in the, in the original 90s movie, he didn't have a kid. Maybe Pennywise is coming after his kid. This is interesting. No, that's not it. It's just a regular kid like he was 27 years earlier. And he hears, and this kid hears voices in the bathtub drain, sometimes a clown laughing. And um, he goes to the carnival, and Pennywise has his next meal. Um, that's a great kill. The long tongue. The banging of the head against the glass. And then you get the bloody kill at the end. I couldn't watch the movie. Uh, There are two instances in the movie to where the flashing lights, which never happened to me before, got me. This made my head hurt. It really split my head, so I watched as much as I could. But what I saw was really great. Um, Ryan, Ed, what do you guys feel about this kill here? Ed, I'll go with you first because I've asked Ed, uh, Ryan a few questions about it. What do you feel about this kill? Was this kill really good in your opinion? Um, there's, you know what, honestly, other than like watching some of the hard personal parts with like watching the kids, there's not a single bad kill. They're all really good kills. So, I mean, I'm, I hate to I hate to answer in such a generic way, but I'm going to say yes to that. And on every time you ask about one of the kills, they're just okay. that good. All right, fair enough. Uh, right now, but you, what do you think of the Hall of Mirrors kill? Um, the be- it's the best one in the entire movie. Um, I visually, again, this movie is full of of just wonderful, wonderful visuals. The um, 
like how the film or how the scene is presented when he enters the fun house, the isolation that, that um, when they get to the hall of uh, mirrors or not mirrors, the hall, like the, the glass and uh, how I sort of trapped in it. The thing that, I, and then I liked, I liked the Pennywise smashing his head repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly um, on the, on the thing until he kills the kid. But again, the issue I had is it's like the running theme of this whole movie. I'm realizing is that a lot of the scenes don't really add up to much, or like I don't really give two shits about the content of the scene. If for mo- like for the most part, because I don't understand like the importance of that kid is only there, um, is only emphasized so it reiterates to Bill about how he let down Georgie, and that's something that could have been it. You know, you know, pre- presented to us in a different way and would have saved, you know, 10, 15 minutes of screen time. But other okay. than that, how it appears is resplendent. I fucking loved it. I do. And I found out that this is not the same cinematographer as it was in the first movie. It the is cinematographer not. from the first movie went out and shot Zombieland 2. So I'm assuming Zombieland 2, if, regardless if it's going to be a good movie or not, is probably going to look really good when it comes to just the overall look of the film. So Mike and the rest of the losers get back together, and Bill is tired of the Pennywise. He's coming after him. Now in the book, in the original 90s movie, Pennywise kidnaps uh, Bill's wife, Audria. Audria, Audria. And that's what Bill's motivation to finally say enough's enough. But in this movie, we get the, we get the kill of the kid. And uh, they go down to do the ritual chud. Now my wife... Uh, doesn't she doesn't know the 1990s movie? She's actually never seen all of it, uh, especially part two, and she's never read the book. So when they're going down the sewer, yeah, Pennywise fucks with them once, you know, with the old lady thing again. But Gina says to me, um, "They're going down there to kill Pennywise. He knows this." She says in the theater, "Why isn't he attacking them more?" And it's because, boom! Spoiler: We found out that Mike pretty much lied to them. Because the ritual chud doesn't work. All they had to do was, according to Mike, they had to grab artifacts of something important in their life. And they all had to throw it into this little sack. And this was going to, to capture the deadlights, to capture Pennywise, and done. Um, wow. I don't like that idea at all. What about you guys? About this ritual not working. Uh, and I'll go with you. Well, I have a huge problem with it, not because the ritual didn't work and, like, they failed, but, like, immediately they're like, how do you make something really big feel really small? And it's, oh, talk shit on it. Be a bully. Just do that, and you'll make the clown fucking turn turn deflated and cry, and then you'll fucking have a blood sport moment when you get to pull his heart out, okay? Like, that's – or whatever the hell movie that was. So – no, I didn't like it, but not for the reasons you prefaced, but for the reason I explained. Ryan, how about you? Um, I'll agree with Ed on this one. I think it kind of defeats... Like, it helps enhance Mike's character in that, uh, and it plays into his desperation, because his whole thing is they didn't beat... They didn't kill it back then when they performed the ritual because they didn't believe they could kill him. But they all... But you know, the losers believe they can kill it, and that was going to be the difference. But then they... You know, that happens, and then, like, 15 minutes later, after a bunch of uh, other somewhat nonsense, um, they just say, you make them small. That's how you do it. And you, that's how you kill them. So, like, it doesn't really 
it just adds more time and really to the to the this movie guys is almost as long as the godfather yeah i want to point as that out and the, God, and the Godfather is the greatest movie of all time. So, Godfather, Titanic, and Endgame. Like, okay, if you're not gonna do the, if you're not gonna do the turtle, right? If you're gonna say fuck that, we're not gonna do the turtle. Then why do the spider? He looked like the bad guy from the end of Wreck It Ralph with half spider <laughs> belly. I mean, it, it looked bad. It looked really, really bad. If you're not gonna do the turtle. Don't do the spider. Just have them fight Pennywise. Or make Pennywise grow big without spider legs. He grew big in the first movie when they were watching him on the projector screen. Like, why the spider? It was just so visual. It took me out of it. I was like, oh my god, this is sickening. I was just so disgusted with that spider. I mean, do you guys share my opinion on the spider? I liked it. Interesting. I mean, to say I, I mean, I liked it too, you know, but it was dumb. <laughs> like, it, it just none of it felt relevant. It, the thing that made the first movie feel great for me was that I had to watch something completely stupid after watching the first one, so that I got my mind out of that movie. It was so cerebral, so I didn't, so I didn't like have nightmares when I when I went to sleep. And the scariest parts about this movie to me were the parts that were kind of freaky, specifically related to Pennywise. But a giant spider, like, I feel like talking about it is is the equivalent of Kevin Smith talking about Michael Bay movies. Nice. Like, <laughs> uh, it's just why do we need a giant spider Pennywise? I mean, I get that it's in the book, blah, 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 blah. But from a filmmaking perspective, I just didn't care. Like, or film watcher perspective, I didn't care. I'm sorry. Sure. So we get we get the sacrifice. Beverly tells Eddie earlier on that you know that the spear is a uh, is for killing monsters to give him strength. He 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 tries to kill Pennywise. He doesn't. Pennywise stabs him with one of his spider legs, and Eddie is down for the count. Uh, they eventually figure out that all you got to do is be a bully, cuss at it, and it turns into this pathetic, weak little thing. They take its heart out, right, and then Eddie dies. And they go back to the quarry where they were in the first movie to do their one last swim. And Bill is so heartbroken over at this. And then we get some twist. It's Richie. Richie, Richie's. Sorry. Richie, yeah. sorry. So we get some twist at the end of this movie. A, Richie's gay? Yeah, they set that up when he goes back to get his totem. Why is Richie gay? There's no reason for Richie to be gay. He goes back to the bridge and he and we see an E plus R. So Eddie Richie, was he gay with Eddie? Or did he just have feelings for Eddie? Did Eddie feel the same way? Like, why does this character need to be gay? It makes no sense for the storytelling part. But I mean, sexual orientation has no relation in any direction either. So him being gay is irrelevant. Him being straight is irrelevant. Exactly. I mean, it, so it why gives, do you do it? it? Why? Because it gives you a, this, it, it gives you the answer to the secret that Pennywise said he knew about about it about him. So that's the like they 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 answered the question. What was the secret? Oh, they were in love. 
were they in love or was Richie in love? Uh, Ryan, what do you say on that? So, as I said at the beginning, they give the adults very little to do, even a lot of the emotion. A lot of the character building comes through in the flashbacks when they encounter Pennywise or when they're bullshitting around in the fort. Um, this is Richie's thing. So, like, Bill's thing is he's, he's you know, guilty about what he did. Uh, letting He's guilty about letting Georgie die. Um, Beverly, she's still fighting off the ghost of her past. Uh, ben, he's buried... I'm assuming the metaphor because he gets buried by Pennywise in the fort. He's buried under, you know, whatever love that he has for her, for Beverly that he can't let go. Um, Eddie has to overcome his fear. That's it's shown twice, I think three times in the movie before he dies. And Richie is that he's, he's gay. And so everyone gets their one thing that they have to combat and that's just why they did it, I feel, just to give him something. I guess. It just doesn't do anything to the story. It doesn't do anything to the plot. I mean, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it adds anything positive or negative, but I don't... That's what I'm saying. It's just, it just doesn't need... To, I mean, Ed, Ed, Ryan, Ed's right. Who who cares about a character's sexual orientation? Ed's 100% right. Who cares? But it just doesn't make sense for the story. And it and it adds something to the character that didn't need to be added because who cares? That was just kind of my my right. Right. I mean, unless it moves the story, I don't care if somebody's gay or straight or trans or whatever. Like it doesn't matter unless it moves the story. So again, it only slightly moves the story because it gives you like 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 you said, it gives you a little bit of a background into some things what were everybody had a thing and that was his thing so it's only relevant in that regard but with that being said i like it's it's i don't because like you know because these adults have so very little they gave him something and that was just the thing they gave him fair enough uh so then the second twist out of the three twists is that we find out a little bit later before the credits roll is that bill faked sick and it should have been Bill that was taken by Pennywise, not Georgie. He didn't want to play with Georgie that day. And that's why he blames himself for the murder. Again, just like Bill Hader being gay, I don't need that Bill fake to be sick so he didn't play with Georgie. That was nonsense. Anybody mm-hmm. agree? Yeah, just more filler. Like this movie was 40 minutes too long because of all the filler. Ryan, what you say? Do you think that Bill faking sick, that that whole thing was just nonsense? Yeah, to a certain degree. I think, like I said, you got to give him the one thing. I feel like, you know, his his guilt over Georgie dying uh, is what drives a lot of the emotion, a lot of the, I mean, I don't say the plot, but a lot of uh, his actions in the first movie and so to you know deepen it and or flip it on its head by saying he's guilty because um he faked being sick is kind of dumb and pointless um but it does i, I the ending and the um catharsis that you feel when he does kill pennywise with the that rod gun i don't know what they're they're called um I think like the catharsis from that isn't deepened in any way 
by the revelation that he faked being sick so he didn't so he he wouldn't have to play with Georgie cuz i mean if he didn't want to play with Georgie and he faked sick why does he go through the trouble of, of building the paper boat and putting the paraffin wax on it and everything exactly i thought it was nonsense the last twist here before we get into the end of the show is that they give a justification for suicide that's the way i interpreted the movie Stan kills himself when he gets a call from Mike, which we all know what was going to happen. Stan slits his wrist because he couldn't face it. But he writes a letter to all the Losers Club saying that, hey, if you guys are reading this letter, my sacrifice uh, to put you guys all together has come true. What the fucking fuck? Really? Yeah, yeah I don't remember everything that's said in the voiceover at the end, but I did I mean I remember sitting in the theater thinking that it was it was well done and I th- I thought it was handled well but again I can't remember exactly why I thought that the letter that he wrote to all the losers was in layman's terms I couldn't face Pennywise again because I remembered what happened he wasn't supposed to but he did yeah but I mean it's like it's like the ending of Stranger Things um, season three when Hopper has that long voiceover um, and you're seeing all these shots of everyone. Like the endings are like emotionally, they're basically the same, Um, but it's not necessarily the content of the letter that makes it powerful. It's like the word choice combined with the image choice that makes it like made me think that, Oh, it's incredibly well done. Do you have a dog in the fight? No, I mean, like, if I'm if I'm being completely transparent, outside of a few scares in Pennywise, right? Like that letter was just among the hundred other reasons why this movie just falls flat for me. Like, it's it's everything about this movie on so many levels, outside of Pennywise and the Losers Club, is so irrelevant. It's not even funny. Like, it's. It, we, we touched on at the very beginning of the show that you gave a guy who had one flash in the pan for this, for the first movie free reign. And he just, he, he, he cracked, he, he, he fell off the horse okay. because he well, tried to, he tried to go too fast. It's just the movie for me because of like, and it's just, this is just one piece of that. So yeah. Okay. Well, then, let's get into our popcorn rating here real fast. Ed, we'll go with you first. What is your popcorn rating for It, Chapter 2? So I feel like I gave the bulk of my explanation um, just just now. So um, I'm going to just be just put it very bluntly. This is a small bag for me. Um, Pennywise still, it, it still gives me nightmares. I had a dream about Pennywise last night. No bullshit. And it woke me up twice. Because that's how much I'm freaked out. I wish there was more Pennywise in this movie. I wish there was more fuck little scares like he, they had in the first one in this movie. Um, outside of that, I mean, it was well acted, but that's because the bulk of the the budget went to paying the paying high level actors to be in this movie. Outside of that, the story was just dumb. I didn't I didn't care for most of it, and uh, I guess it's not the director's fault. It's probably Stephen King's fault. But yeah, small back. Ryan, what is your popcorn rating for It Chapter 2? So, I'm going to say it's a medium bag. Um, And I want to talk about 
the rating system just for a little bit. I'm not criticizing or critiquing your guys' uh, or our particular uh, rating system, but I'm just talking about rating systems in general uh, and their subjectivity. We talked uh, last time we got together before this episode. Um, we did Ready or Not, I do believe. And Jordan got all butthurt because I gave it a large pop, a, a large bag of popcorn. And here's the thing. I think it, too, objectively, is a better movie than Ready or Not. Subjectively, I enjoyed Ready or Not more because I did not have expectations going into it. It, Chapter 2, I had ex- I had a lot of expectations because I thought the first movie... Um, now, like, being that guy, the book is better. It is one of my favorite books of all time. It's in my top five. I've read it four times. I usually only read books once or twice. Um, the only other like massive books I've read uh, that many times are the Harry Potter books. And so, like, I really enjoy the story and what Stephen King uh, was able to do with these characters. And the first movie captures, like, not necessarily the exact... Um, the exact translation, I guess, of of the book, but it captures the tone and it's able to get that feeling of that nostalgia um, and the fear and, and all these things. And the second one, I was I was expecting roughly the same thing because the first one, it, it's not a you know it's not a great movie, but it's very good. It's very good. Um, and now he has. You know, the first one's a runaway success. I expected them. You know, this is going to be a huge budget because they got all these, you know, named stars in it, at least the three of them um, that everyone knows. And I figured that they were going to let the director do what he wanted. And, you know, outside of certain decisions with, you know, characters and how things are written and, you know, the adults don't really have much to do, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought that visually it's one of the one of the better movies I've seen least i can remember seeing all year some of the visuals in it i i fucking love um like the leper i love um i love the design of pennywise as the score with the scorpion legs i like spider legs i thought he looked kind of like a scorpion um but they're spider legs the um i i like the beginning when they're all getting the call and they're all getting together i like the opening I like the bits with Henry Bowers. Um, when they're getting their totems, I, I liked parts of the flashbacks, but I did feel I did feel that the flashbacks, um, that the flashback heavy second act slowed things down. And the third act kind of, um, you spend like forty five minutes or so in that cave and with the strobing light, and they they go through like those mental things, uh, like where Beverly's drowning in the blood and Ben's being buried in the the fort or the underground bunker and things like that. Um, they kind of drag on. They don't. The catharsis on in most of the the storylines doesn't really add up. You don't really get the emotional resolution. I am happy, however, that they did not include the Audra part of it and um, the is it Ben? Not Ben. Uh, Beverly's husband, something Rogan. I can't remember his first name. Because he gets possessed. Like he comes chasing in the book. He in the and also in the movie. Um, he comes chasing after her and he gets possessed by Pennywise and he kidnaps Audra and that's how Pennywise gets Audra. And I'm glad they did not do that. Cause I think that's one of the, one of the worst parts of the book. Um, but overall I enjoyed the movie. I, again, good movie, not great medium bag. Uh, 
Medium bag. Uh, for me, I was struggling with this uh, for the past couple of days. It was either going to be a, a, a small or a large for me. And I'll sum it up real quick. I feel this movie is a large bag of popcorn. Um, I think it's a great movie to see. Uh, if you saw the original 1990s uh, TV movie, uh, this blows the part two out of the water. It still is a good movie. Um, it did not meet all my expectations. Uh, but to be a continuation of part one, I thoroughly enjoyed the living shit out of the movie. Uh, there is a lot of issues with it, but overall, I'm generally happy with it. And uh, I can't wait till it comes out on uh, Blu-ray and, and, and on demand because I'm going to be buying it hook, line, and sinker and studying more and, and learning more. Uh, I generally liked everybody in the movie, and uh, Bill Skarsgård was absolutely great. So thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this most recent episode of Movie Guys Podcast. Uh, you can check out this episode and many episodes others as, as well as movieguyspodcast.com you can check us out on iTunes on iHeartRadio on Spotify also uh, check us out on Podbean as well uh, thank you so much everybody for listening to our uh, to our, our show here uh, we all appreciate it here in the family movie guys and we'll be back next week for a Rambo retrospective episode leading up to the release of Rambo Last Blood thank you everybody Ryan and, uh, and uh, Ed thank you so much have a good night.